We the bestest cast with the left twist. Not fairly well dressed. Put me on the guest list. The guest list. Uh, yeah, on the guest list. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another week of On the Guest List with Fox trying to get down White Sox Dave and Kenny Carkey with you from the band as always is your boy Colin. We have Mr. David Williams over here. Dave, how are you, buddy? Chilling. How you guys doing? We're fucking outstanding. Speaking of chilling, lighting up another joint. We have our friend, Mr. Kenny Carkey coming from live from L.A. Kenny, how are you, buddy? I tell you what, Colin, today might be the best day of my life. <laughs> It's been an epic day. I've had a great Monday. Mondays normally suck, but it's awesome. I'm chilling with my boys and I'm lighting up a joint. It's great, man. Killing it, bro. Uh, so this is a different episode today. It's a little bit different. We've had we've had quite a day for on the guest list podcast, and we'll go over that. This morning, uh, around fucking like 5.30 Kenny's time, we yes. had our first radio interview. We did the mighty Preston and Steve on 93.3 WMMR in Philadelphia. Gigantic audience. Huge legendary radio show in my city. We announced something uh, that we've been talking about for a while, and I thought I'd lead the show with this, but we're starting our video series where we finally turned Dave into a rock Yeah, 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 yeah. David, how are you feeling, buddy? I'm feeling good. All right, so I was actually going to ask you about this last week, Uh, and then this goes to both you guys. Do you ever, like, it could be a major festival or you're playing in front of a few hundred people at a bar. Do you ever just not have it that day? Yes. Oh, oh my God. Yes. The, yes. Like, and not often, but every once in a while, I'd always find myself like, I just couldn't find the pocket. I couldn't find where I was. I wasn't just didn't feel right. It, that definitely happens. And then oh, other what? on the flip side. So you're fucking rich tonight, son. It could also be you had a bad ride in. It could be you're just fucking shit like that. Ride. Right. Right. Or you're right. Sick. Or you had a fight with your girlfriend or whatever. Like, that's the funny thing that people don't realize in the audience and stuff like that, that we're humans too with all of our own personal problems and sometimes i don't fucking feel like smiling (laughs) (laughs) hell yeah no well on that note uh so i mean we kind of teased it already we're starting our video series up colin was in new york all day today with uh the marco bearish of the oar of a revolution uh we can all agree oar is like the voice of all people around our age like through high school and whatnot but anyways um I'm sending Kenny or Colin rather all these videos just through the iPhone uh, so he could show to Mark for the video series. And I like I was playing the guitar the other night. And I'm like, fuck this fucking I, I text. Do you remember what I texted you? Yes. I said I suck fucking ass at this thing or something. I was just fucking pissed. We do precedent see this morning. It was uh, 8 a.m. for me, which is fucking child's play. I'm always up well before that usually. But um. After the interview, I'm sending Colin more videos and I sent him maybe like 10 or 12. Yep. And I kept playing for like another 45 minutes to an hour and I just felt it. And it felt good. It was like, what the fuck was going on the other night? Well, Dave, that that is what keeps you coming back to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, right, right, right. And we can speak about the live thing. Kenny said this previous on the podcast, but like you have some nights where the crowd's just not into it or you're just having a bad day. And it always happens on tour like this to where you're like, God damn it, I just want to go home. And then always that show right after you're like hit your breaking point, it's the magic. It's the magic show where the crowd's into it and you're fucking killing it. Everything is like right on time. When yeah, when you and your entire band are locked in and you're locked with the crowd, it's just those moments that make up for all the shit that touring throws on you. It's those fucking moments that are that are worth everything man and i just want to say dave you did an amazing i listened back to the interview later because i had so many people reached out to me and say like 
dude, that interview was fucking awesome. Yeah, I had but a, few, I thought it was, a bunch of random people on the internet saying, were you just on our fucking Philly station? I'm like, yeah, actually, I was. <laughs> yo, I texted Smitty, and I was like, yo, I actually got Dave on Preston and Steve today. And he was like, dude, what the fuck? I'm recording this shit. Like, let's go. <laughs> but I, I thought it was amazing. <laughs> Knowing Dave the way that I know Dave now, you got into a pocket in the interview where you were like, oh, yeah, I can do this. Like, yeah, I'm going to do this for sure. I was like, I was watching this bravado come over you like mid-interview, and I was like, this is fucking incredible. Who is this guy? He's this guy with this pocket of confidence coming out of nowhere. And I said it to Robert today when I was in his studio, and I was like, this motherfucker has no idea what he's in for. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish I could have, like... Was- either been a fly on the wall or actually there in person for this entire day. Cause like I was, I was telling Colin before we started recording today, like how we originally got hooked up with Mark Roberge and he was out at the pink, pink Whitney cup in February. My buddy chief, who's one of my best friends on top of being my coworker. He's like, he's like, Hey, I asked him to do your podcast. He said, yeah, just DM him. So I just shot him a DM and he responded and we recorded like two days later. Man, I, I just want to say this, too. Like, in this entire process of, like, I, I like to take moments to, like, realize when something cool is happening, right? That's awesome, especially for fucking you, man. That's, like... This is this is a situation where I'm watching this whole thing come together, this whole fucking plan, this entire, like, all mm-hmm. the hard work we've put in and everything like that. And then to, like, have it crystallized and finally, like, we've talked about this video series since, like, November of last year. And Legit, finally, yeah. Literally to start having the cameras roll and, like, we're in New York on Fifth Ave, like, fucking in a high rise in a studio with Mark Roberts. And then I'm walking around times square, fucking interviewing people. Like, I don't want to give too much away for the video series, but like, weren't we just talking about moments, moments, man, everything worth it, man, moments, man. And I will say too, and uh, this is like, kind of like, uh, we usually have an overarching conversation, but I was telling Kenny this before we came on, I was saying my brain and my body are not accustomed to the tour life or like traveling to do things anymore. And it was very odd. I was having these fits of kind of anxiety throughout the day. And it reminded me of like when you're on tour and things are not going right, or you just want to go home. And there was, there was points when I was on the fucking subway today where I was like, dude, I don't know what's going on in my brain. I'm usually the guy, the first guy to be like, let's go to this city. Let's go to that city. But like that moment when we're walking out of the fucking studio in New York and my brain's a wet noodle. But at the same time, I'm like, holy fucking shit. We're actually doing this shit. Mm-hmm. I'm appreciative and I'm appreciative to you two so much for taking the time to do this with me. And also to everybody who's been listening and sharing and who's jumping on board with this thing. This is a magical fucking thing. So I just want to say, I love you guys. I love you two very much. And I'm very excited for this. My well, brother, that was I'm kind of fucking, here. I know. What, how do you, what are you supposed to say after that? That's awesome. Yeah. Are, are you, are you being held hostage right now? Never. Oh yeah. To your shoulder. point though, I feel like part of my hesitation in going back out on tour is that I know the acclimation period is going to be pretty gnarly. And like now I'm so used to being at home that I kind of like it a lot. So, yeah, I think part of my apprehension and turning these shows down lately, because I've been offered a lot of shows. Since Me too, man. Dude, up. take take I, even. I mean, obviously, you guys are traveling and away from home or not. I got like a lot of real life friends that are having to go back to offices at fucking seven in the morning till five at night, and they are having panic attacks about it i believe it i believe it because they're so accustomed to waking up not changing not showering just literally waking up taking a piss and you fucking log on your computer and just look like asshole and not have to move and 
it, that's got to be pretty bad for everybody. This is another great example of all the shit that people in the entertainment industry have had to go through. It's just the mental fucking Jenga that's been going on for the last year to where, like, nobody is giving us the time of day to say, like, yo, I hope these guys are okay. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, no one no one thought no, about that. No one thought about that. We've talked about it so many times that, like, of all the industries, I don't, I don't know of any other industry that went to 0% running. Like, the music industry, and nobody's talked about and it, and... There's something about it's it's gnarly to go to work to do the same place every day for years and then all of a sudden not go anymore for a year and a half. It's also really crazy to travel, do nothing but travel forever, and then all of a sudden be home for a year and a half. Like even being home is a big acclamation. Like, what do you fucking do with yourself? I need to take an Uber to a place that I yelped. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like figure that shit out. I mean, it's just like you prepare your whole life and you work your whole life to get to this point where it's like I can make my dream come true. And then all of a sudden they just say, All right, well, fucking a year and a half of your hard work is gone, and we do not give a flying fuck about it. You know what? The re- it's I could go on for this forever, but I just want to give love to all the bands out there that are still pushing forward and making this shit holding happen. it down, holding it down, baby. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, before we move into anything else, I want to say we have an incredible interview today. Like I said, this is a different interview. We're not doing as much of the segments. We don't have a second interview. We have one long interview with an absolutely incredible human being. Kenny's boy. Matthew Coma, what a dude. First of all, I just want to say that Dave obviously, he talks about in the interview, but Dave has friends who know very well who who Matthew Mm -hmm. Coma is. And of course, Kenny knows very well who Matthew Coma is. Kenny, describe this man. And I mean, Coma's like, Coma's the nicest human being on earth. Literally the nicest person I've ever met in my life. He'll call my wife and check on her like when the fires are coming down the hills and I'm out on tour kind of like friend, you know? But then at the same time, he's this massive like celebrity and massive songwriter who is also legitimately incredible, like where he writes songs that make me go, why the fuck did I not write that? God damn it. How did he come up with that kind of shit? And uh, yeah, he's just a, he's a good, loyal human being who's fucking talented and yeah he's awesome i mean dave and you obviously had your friends hitting you up being like i can't believe you got this guy on your yeah they like i i think the phrase in the interview i used to describe it was i there's this girl i'm she's one of my closest friends i and she's huge into the edm uh house music scene and she's like she was like shitting her pants she's like i cannot believe this how the <laughs> fuck you do this like Man. i'm like well i mean i know this guy kenny <laughs> you know what? Dude, to add to all of that, dude, I don't know that I've ever met anybody funnier in my life. Like, yeah, his, oh, we get well, to his that. Trolling yeah. techniques. What like, a normal oh dude. God. The Stephen Jenkins thing we get into this, but the third eye by trolling is one of the funniest things ever. It's yeah, all and, time, bro. The new story is about his next, not victim, but the next person he wants to like reach out to and publicly court. I'm gonna yeah. leave that as a surprise, but it's one of the funniest fucking things we've heard so on this good. podcast. And I will say too, the songs he's written. When I was doing like doing interview or research on his discography, looking up "Clarity" by Zed, I've watched the original yeah. fucking acoustic version mm-hmm. of him doing that. It's one of the biggest fucking pop hits of the last ten years. The Carly Rae Jepsen work that he did uh, that, yep. that kind of like launched him in that direction. But all the works with Hardwell and Alesso and all these people that me as someone on the outside of the EDM community, I know who all these motherfuckers are. Yeah. This guy is an absolute stud, but I will say, and I'll leave it on this, just an A1 human being and a yeah. really fun interview. So, Kenny, thank you for yeah. bringing him on, and fucking thank you so much to Matthew Coma for being here. So we're going to yeah, get into yeah, that. Yeah. 
I said this previously, my brain's a fucking wet noodle. So I apologize if my accent starts slipping out worse than usual because it's just going to get worse and worse as we go. <laughs> but it's been a long motherfucking day. If you've ever been on the New York City subway system in the summer, you know what the fuck this is. So uh, before we move into on the list, off the list, let's go into some quick music news. And I want to talk about one of these songs. Uh, Billie Eilish dropped another new song this weekend. Uh, we had Lil Baby and Lil Dirk drop a duo mixtape, which actually is fucking fire. It's probably five songs too long, but really, really good shit for the streets for the summer. And then the thing I want to talk about, Dave, your beloved John Mayer coming out with an Africa by Toto cover. I actually love it. I'm not going to lie. Like my 15th listen, I actually love it. I, I, it might've been you I was speaking to with this. It, it might was. not have been, but um, I know you sent me the song. I, I listened to it and I've listened to it. I don't know, maybe five times. I just compare it to other John Mayer shit that I mm. think is like, holy fuck good. And to this, it was just like, same with New Light. Like, I didn't really like New Light for the exact same reason. I'm like, yeah, it, like, I don't know. Is he mailing it in? No, I, I think he's doing what he always does. And he, it, as he's gone on his career and he started to like, just be able to do whatever he wants. He's a period piece guy. Well, he'll pick like, I want to do something that sounds like this and then do the John Mayer version of that. It's like born and raised when he wanted to do his Neil Young phase. And he went and he did the acoustic Neil Young phase with the harmonicas. Right, right, this right. This is like, I want to do some. And that's stuff. my favorite fucking John Mayer album, by the way. That's my favorite John Mayer album too. But like he wants to do his 80 cent pop shit. But what I just found out was that actually one of the guys from Toto is actually a credited musician on the song. So he actually brought the originators. Oh, OK, in, that's I cool. Was, I didn't know that. Which Good is shit. funny, too. Yeah, wow. That's wow. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. Can I tell you guys something? Sure. I fucking hate John. <laughs> no, I, oh, yeah, I do. Honestly, I'm not a big fan, but his comedy is pretty good. He's which a I like. funny he, guy. He's a fucking normal guy. Yeah. Did, I, I think we talked about this before, but there was this I forget where exactly it was. But there was this um, it was it was like a long commercial kind of where there was hidden cameras in a bar in Connecticut where he's from. Oh, yeah. And there he would look for dudes to get up and go take a piss that were clearly with girls. And he would basically bait the girls into being like, hey, like, do you want to come home with me? And they'd all look around like, oh, shit, where's my guy? Like, I'm about to, you know, cash my hall pass. Yeah, dude. I mean, my favorite John Mayer comedy moment is when this was when Room for Squares first came out first major whatever and he's playing all these big outdoor amphitheaters during the summer and he would tailgate in a bear costume and he would walk around to interview people and they wouldn't know it was him on the inside of the bear costume and he'd be like you guys ready for the john myers concert tonight and they'd be like it's john mayer motherfucker and he'd be like yeah fuck that guy he's a didn't he do a whole, the whole like set of videos with dave Chappelle? yeah too? that's when i love that's when i like was introduced to him was through dave Chappelle, ironically yeah like 15 18 years ago or whatever I find John Mayer hilarious, and I think he's an amazing musician. Kenny, if you don't like him, most you know he's a polarizing guy. I just never got into him. It's not it's really understandable, that I understandable, dude. It's understandable. Do you respect his his musical game though? I I respect his guitar playing ability. I've never been a fan of his voice. I know I he's a great. I agree with that. I know he's a cute guy that fucks chicks, but like I just uh, it's never tickled me right. It's like Dave Matthews. Like I just don't care. Understood. I mean that, but that's what this is all about. I if I can bitch about one thing, I don't think his voice is any good. Nah, but I mean, he's a fucking virtuoso guitar player. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. It's like me, he's wheezing. Me and, Ken, 
me and Ken always do this. Our bass player Ken, we always do this thing where the the, the baddie is baddie. It's B A A A. Baddie. I'm not here to shit on John Mayer. I'm not here to shit on John Mayer. I love John. I'm not even here to talk about John Mayer. I know you are, you motherfucker. But no, I you know still once again getting back into swinging things with these musical releases. Every once in a while, something of note will drop, and there'll be certain weeks where everything drops. But this was not one of them. I like the little Dirk and little Baby mixtape just because I love both of them. Shouts out Chicago, little Dirk. But I mean, other than that, it's kind of a slow week. Either way, um, I'm, I'm excited to see what comes out the rest of the summer. Uh, let's go into on the list, off the list real quick. This, I'm going to make this simple because mine are the same. My on the list is New York City. I actually thoroughly enjoyed my time in New York today. Uh, I kind of got that magic moment to where, like, we were actually doing things that were, like, of note. Like, we were going to big studios and, like, fucking bopping around the city. It was nice. And I'm just going to get my off the list out of the way at the same time. New York City because it fucking <laughs> and it was hundred it was hundred eighty fucking degrees and the public train train system was late constantly it was pain in the ass and it rained and it was fucking sticky and I'm just bitching because I literally just got out of the car like twenty minutes ago coming back from New York but <laughs> yeah on yeah. my list and off my list are New York City Dave who's it's, on your list oh go ahead Kenny I was gonna say it's funny you say that because I too have an on off same what thing. is it on the list Mayweather Logan fight mm. off the list. Mayweather Logan fight. I was pumped. I had a good time. I love watching Mayweather fight. I love seeing him fight somebody so much bigger and him still thinking that like it was even in any type of way. But then also at the same time, like we all know that the payday for both of them was all what it was all about. And like I got suckered, not suckered because I enjoyed it. I don't know what to call it. You know Dude, what I mean? For a motherfucker who can't read, that guy is so intelligent in the boxing ring. It's unbelievable. It's like oh, it's you're, unbelievable. you're watching a tactician. You're watching somebody. He's not 44 men- years old, 30 pounds lighter, five inch shorter wingspan, six inch shorter in height. Like, get out of town. Kenny, are you a big boxing fan? I used to be a big boxing fan just because my family was and my grandfather was, but like of the Tyson era kind of thing. But like, yeah, I, yeah. I, but you know what? I'm like, I, I watch. I'll get all the big cards. I'll get all That's the. That's how I am too. Fight nights. Yeah, but you know, to for for like, I mean, obviously his brother Jake Paul is a fucking idiot. This shit yeah, that he yeah. was saying, which is so yeah. crazy. He's like, they're like, you know, well, he went eight rounds, blah blah. He's like, That's a heavyweight versus a junior. Featherweight. Like, also, what? let's be Dude. honest. Mayweather could have ended that fight at any second. And I watched the entire fight. He could have ended that fight so fucking fast if he wanted to. 100%. But like, I respect. Yeah. Like, I knew what I was getting into, and I said this on Twitter last night that the undercard it was uh, Dirks D U R K S versus yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like a Vila or some some Latin American dude. It was one of the most entertaining fights I've seen in years and years. It was two two uh, junior middleweights, I want to say, and um, the one uh, the dude who ended up winning was he's undefeated and ranked third in the world in his class. It was a legit fight, and they were throwing fucking haymakers at each other for ten straight rounds, and it made that fight alone, even though I've never heard of them fucking guys, made it worth it to me. Like I don't even give a shit about the other fight. Bro, it was whole, unbelievable fight. The whole situation makes me so sad for boxing because boxing. I know is, that. Yeah. It, like that was like that. That was a good fucking fight between two undefeated dudes, like going to contend for belts. And that was the undercard. Nobody even knows them. Dude, your, your boy with Barstool put out today. The best thing about the Mayweather Logan thing where he was like, uh, 
Mayweather's been retired for four years. He came out and fought McGregor and made a fucking payday. He's out here fighting one loss YouTube stars for ten fucking million dollar base salary. Yeah. Plus fifty percent of the pay per views. You're like, you know what? Hats off to fucking Mayweather, dude. That's what you call retired. He probably he made. I mean, I would guess he made. He made like a hundred mil, dude. I was gonna yeah. say fifty. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Must be nice. I've heard 50 is what I've heard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hey, hey, I'm but, always hey, so impressed. More money with you. than any of us can ever dream of making. Oh, dude, 100%. He did it in like an hour. So, yeah, are, exactly. What are us schmucks saying? But, like, to me, I always enjoy watching greatness in any capacity. I love watching. It's why I like watching LeBron play basketball because I don't love LeBron, but I love watching greatness in any capacity. You're watching this motherfucker go out there, and he could have snapped that dude off at any single second. But he was like, you know, we're going to keep it entertaining for the fans. Could you imagine being so proficient with your hands that you could just say, like, I could physically just decimate you, Kill but you, you know what? We're, we're going to make this entertaining for a little while. So uh, even- It just made me so fucking mad when people were like, yeah, but Logan got a couple hits on Mayweather, and you're like, He's a heavyweight. There's the 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 like disadvantage is like crazy. Dude, They're in not- the first round, uh, when when Paul still had energy because he was gassed by like the yeah, fourth yeah. round, he was throwing those fucking haymakers. Not there was like eight or ten punches thrown where he was yep. literally trying to kill Dude, Mayweather. The commentators crushed Didn't it. Fucking land one. As soon as that happened, the commentators were like, well, not a lot of technique being thrown out here. <laughs> What's the oldest story in fighting, dude? You can't hurt what you can't hit. And Mayweather. Dude, those those commentators were so good last night when there was two rounds left and Logan was like, looked like he was about to fall asleep. Like, two rounds. May as well be two weeks. <laughs> uh, Kenny, that's a good on the list, off the list. I like that. Uh, Dave, who's on and off your list? Um. <laughs> Well, they're not on my list, but I was going to go with uh, buffalo chicken egg rolls. I had some of those this weekend, and I could have had a mountain of them. Uh, <laughs> they're just really fucking good. And off the list, this is actually a new one. I'm going to have virtue signal signalers off my list today. I'm all I back that. I back that hard. So 100%. we went on with Preston and Steve today. I'm a, so, so they're straight. They're they're on the FM station out there, right? Oh, so. Yeah. Call the Preston and Steve of Chicago is a uh, Dan Bernstein. And it used to be a couple other guys. Now he's like the main head for mi- he's our midday host for our, our biggest sports talk station. And he's a big fucking cunt. This guy. Uh, <laughs> so he's been bitching nonstop about Tony LaRusso, the White Sox manager. And he put out this tweet at 738 PM. I'm laying on my couch, like kind of dozing off. And I look at it. And he goes, Tony La Russa has the most vocal, angry support from a very familiar, aggrieved, and entitled demographic. It's not a mere baseball argument to some. It's now their latest and laziest cultural hill on which, which to fight for a dead-end cause. I wanted to punch Jesus. this guy in the fucking head reading <laughs> that. Like, wh- who do you fucking think you are? <laughs> First of all, he comes from absurd wealth. He is the most privileged human in chicagoland like he 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 did draw insane ratings like years ago and he's still number one but like he's on his fucking soapbox talking about how anti-racist he is and it's like no dude people just fucking like people see a first place white Sox team and i honestly should be reserving this for my actual sports podcast but it just (laughs) happened so it's on this one but it's like dude the white Sox are in first place they have the third best record in all of baseball Maybe some people are happy with the job Tony LaRusso is doing. And it's not a racial thing. You fuck cocksucker. Like that's right, all there is right. to it. You know, 
like I I was clicks. enraged reading this fucking tweet. Clicks run the world, buddy. Clicks run the world. The internet is giving everybody too much of an opinion. It's <laughs> like agreed, agreed. I saw last bit. I saw, um, what was it? Gay Pride Month or something like that last year. Twenty One Pilots fans were upset that they didn't put out like a gay pride tweet, and I was fucking blown away at like, who is he responsible to? Like the expectations of people to say the right thing. Or it, the right but thing it, like, if he if he doesn't tweet or does tweet, does that make him any lesser, more homophobic? This is what no. I'm, that's what I'm saying. You know, exactly. It's, 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 it's like use your fucking brains, people. It's the fucking cancel culture, man. I don't think I could. I don't think I could handle the pressure that those kind of guys like deal with to always be, always be on top of their shit, always be perfect, always be right. I, I, I personally don't think I could handle that. I wonder if I could even like get to that level of success at all whatsoever at this point, because, or I will say fame, because I wouldn't cave to the pressure like that. And I, I just, that would make me like, if people were pressuring me, like the more they oh, wanted me to, the less I would be inclined to do and it. And they actually do a good job. The Twenty One Pilots guys you do a good job of not caring about a lot of things. I'm gonna mm-hmm. do a big name drop here. Billy Corgan one time told me because <laughs> uh, we were talking about him being perceived as an asshole, right, for his entire career, to which he is an asshole. But um, he said, "I refuse to live up to an expectation that I didn't create," and I, that just hit me so hard. Where it's like, yeah, I don't have I. Your expectations are not my expectations, and I don't fucking care. I think it's a thing too, where you know where most people stand on these things, and and like those guys from Twenty One Pilots are very socially active and they're very yeah, socially yeah, conscious. Yeah. But my thing has always been, and I'll leave this conversation at this: if you're doing something for attention or for like the wrong reasons, are you really doing that? It makes it thing? worse. Are you really That's doing a I'm good saying. thing? That's, That's my what thing. I'm saying. And it's a uh, it, it's it's weird the position that that people put entertainers in because we don't know nobody we're no better or know anything more than anybody else that's that's where i'll leave that conversation because that's how i always think about it but oh by the way happy gay pride month to everybody out there who is so yo shouts the fuck out dude there was mad shit going on in new york today i think that's so dope be yourself fucking live the life you want to live that's all i gotta say and that's where i'll leave just don't be an asshole and you're all right in my book that's Dave's, that's Dave's credo, man. So fucking shouts out to everybody. Uh, that's on the list, off the list. Real quick, do you guys have anything you've been listening to specifically? Because I'm going to list one thing real quick. Wiz Khalifa's 2010 mixtape, Cushion Orange Juice. I bring up Wiz for a very specific reason because I think Wiz gets overlooked in the scale of the last 10 years in the rap game because Wiz is the first guy to really bring a camera crew around him all the time and film day-to-day life vlogs. He used to do a thing called Day Today that absolutely revolutionized the way that rappers and people use social media to kind of like build a fan base. I want to give Wiz his flowers and say, Wiz, you changed the fucking game in that perspective. And Cushion Orange Juice just reminds me of college. It's a great time mixtape. So I back that. I fucking back shouts that. to Wiz Khalifa. Kenny, Dave, what else have you guys been listening to? I went um, back again. Oh, go ahead, Dave. You're up first. No, you can go. I was saying, I means. went back in time as usual. Uh, I went back to Oracular Spectacular by great MGMT, album. right? Like two NYU white kid, rich kids, fucking with a bunch of expensive synthesizers who made one of the most incredible records of my lifetime that I've ever heard. And they're one of the biggest sets of assholes on the planet. And they never even play the fucking hits at their shows. But goddamn, if that song, that record is, I mean, dude, they did one record and bounce. They were just like, all right, well, we've made our money now, but I mean, what a fuck. They won't even play the kids live. That's why you go to the show. That's why you go to the show. They're like, it's so, they're a weird, weird couple of guys. I saw them get into a huge fist fight one time. Sweet. Did they win? 
Uh, well, it was with each other. Yeah, that's uh, the, what I, I thought. Yeah, the, the drummer and the singer, and it was because the drummer didn't want to play to a click or some shit like that. And and then my band got into a fight with the direct support band. It was a funny night in Chicago, House of Blues, La La pre party, like there 2011. Yeah, uh, Dave, what have you been listening to, buddy? Uh, we talked about him a little bit last week, and I would love if Kenny could, you know, open his phone book and get this guy on the show some way, somehow. I think he might be doable, but uh, Keller Williams. Um, I had a big Keller Williams kick long time ago now, and I hadn't listened to him in forever. And then Andy Frasco name dropped him. I, th- I think they he said they played a Red Rocks together or something. Mm-hmm. That was that last week that he was with Keller Williams yeah. or whatever it was. Nevertheless, he's awesome. I love him. You should love him. If you don't, go fuck yourself. There love it. Oh, I love the attitude this week. Fucking chippy. Uh, by the way, stay tuned next week for Andy Frasco because that is like legitimately one of the best fucking. He's the all my fucking interviews are bl- blending together. I thought, <laughs> I mean, they did. I thought we dropped him already. <laughs> and I'm currently working on his record. Funny. There you go, dude. I'm pumped, uh, for it, man. So we're going to go into our interview with Matthew Coma coming up now. Like I said, there is no second interview. So we're going to go right into our pick of the week. After this, and it's our future leaders, which, by the way, is another record that Kenny Carheat produced. Do you want to talk about the right. single? Uh, yeah, the single is called Inadequate from a band called Our Future Leaders. I've been friends with them since I went to Full Sail back in like 2005. And I was Wait, telling you guys before what? Full what? Full Sail. This, full what? Univer- full s- Shut Sail! Up. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, this, I was telling you guys before that this guy, Brian Streen, he's just I've respected him forever because early days in college he was one of the few people who was already writing music and recording music and like stuck with it and um he's just a good friend of mine and and a wholesome dude so that's awesome good pick of the yeah, week. song's rad and i'm really excited to put it at the end of the podcast this week so stick around for that uh like i said we're gonna go into the interview with matthew coma this is kind of our goodbye for the week we'll be back next week with andy frasco but dudes video series happening we're gonna drop we're drop we got two shot basically we're just editing everything together now just trust me when I say this is the fucking best shit we've done so far, and I really can't wait to put it out. Boys, anything you want to say before we go into the interview? Fuck no. All right, fuck cool, no. Man. All right, fuck both of you guys. Uh, here is our <laughs> interview with the one, the only, Matthew Coma. Yeah! How you feeling? Yeah! Feel all, right? all right, ladies and gentlemen, on the guest list today, we have singer, songwriter, producer, everything above. We have Matthew Coma on the podcast today. Matthew, how are you today, brother? Uh, embarrassed after that little introduction, but pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, real quick, off the top, I want you to list the top five worst things about Kenny Carkey. Go. Top five worst things that he lives so far from me. He may, he may as well live in Chicago. He's so far. <laughs> um, the other four worst things? I don't know. Come on, there's got to be oh, something. You know where the bodies are buried. I know, but he's kind of like the best guy. He's the kind of guy you, you want. I know this is not what you want to hear, but <laughs> he's the guy you want at the party. He's the guy you want at the funeral. He's the guy you want at the birth. He's he's you want him there. Hey, Marms, do you remember when I FaceTimed you for my grandma's funeral? Oh, yeah, <laughs> I do. I do remember that you um, I, I maybe I'm making this part up, but I'm pretty sure you were by the casket. Yeah, I was right now. It was me and my dad and we were we were at the casket in the background FaceTiming you. That was a special time of our friendship indeed i was, indeed. I was just gonna say were you like over the casket like taking a selfie like what's I up know. dude i mean to be fair my grandma liked to party you know so mm. yeah i mean i wouldn't want it any other way for for my death you also facetimed me during like some massive 
EDM show in Puerto Rico just because I dared you to. And you're like, okay. That was my, it was my last like DJ set I ever did. I was like, I'm going to call. Okay. I'm just gonna phone this one in and call people on stage. He's just literally like with a <laughs> FaceTime and just all these people behind him. Like, are you kidding me? Share, share this moment. Thanks, bro. Now, Kenny, I, I I have never met Kenny in person, but I have learned quickly that even though he is the absolute worst, he's the absolute best. So I couldn't I couldn't feel oh, you thanks, more right Dave. there. Thanks, Dave. That's a pretty accurate description of Kenny. Yeah. All the times that I've known him, it's like, yeah, he's an asshole, but God, he's our asshole. I love him to death just honest honest no, the thing about kenny is this and i know this is an interview with matthew coma not necessarily kenny carkeep but <laughs> he like he, he he's really subtly so fucking smart mm-hmm. like insanely smart and he, it's the glasses. Just, like, he had these little like just one-off lines i'm like holy shit like i didn't know that like it, it could be about anything too like he's a fucking pilot He's he's a pilot, but would you fly with him? Is that- no, 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 no. no. Matt Max flew with me one time, and he thought I was reading the instruction manual of how to fly the plane, <laughs> and was secretly having a panic attack the whole time. I, mean, you- I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't. We we've many a time in my household been like, okay, desert island. Would you rather do this thing or have Kenny fly you? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's part of the would you rather game. Speaking of speaking of flying, you remember when we flew to Poland together and we were airdropping random photos to different strangers on the airplane the whole time? That was a good time. That's when we showed up to Poland to do like an award show. And we had this song that for some reason connected to people there. And they they met us with like a whole choreography idea for for the performance. And we were like, no, <laughs> we don't. We were like, it was like some dude in a box in the corner of a stage was going to break out of the box and do this whole dance routine. And we we're like... Can we just play the song? <laughs> and you did say that you were going to say Stephen Jenkins' name on live Polish TV, which you did. Yeah, I did. Okay, can we talk about the Stephen Jenkins thing? Because Kenny was afraid, or Kenny was not afraid, but like kind of enthusiastic that you might show up in a T-shirt with Stephen Jenkins' phone number on it. How did he become like the butt of the joke? I mean, I, I grew up loving his band, Third Eye Blind, and also hearing the, the stories about just what a difficult person he is. Uh, and then experienced it myself when I was like a teenager. We like my terrible band when I was a kid, like open for his band and he was just awful to us. And then growing up and hearing just more and more stories that were just atrocious, but still thinking his music was so great. So what started is a little bit of a, a troll to sort of forge, like maybe he has enough self-awareness that he'll get a kick out of this and, and will become, um, friends which was an insane thought and instead he just thought I was an insane fan pursuing him <laughs> uh and like some of his band members had even told me so good like they all follow me on Instagram because then then it just became like okay how far can I pull this how much can I exaggerate this how much can I publicly um I don't know pursue Stephen Jenkins <laughs> and show acts of adoration for him through pretty abnormal um instances like naming your fish after him and buying his artwork <laughs> like naming my fish after him and then making a really big deal after died saying r.i.p stephen jenkins uh, <laughs> on socials like stuff like that you just stuff to try to get his attention yeah the t-shirt with his phone number on it like in front of a lot of people which isn't cool i get it <laughs> oh but it's I funny have, i didn't have kids then so i feel like i i'm I'm able to bury that all with, I didn't have a moral compass. 
Bro, Stephen Jenkins definitely has a list at home, like Steve Buscemi and Billy Madison, like people to kill. (laughs) You're definitely somewhere on there. Yeah. (laughs) Here's the best part. So we, my band played like some Christmas show with him acoustic, like, I don't know, it was 2019 right before COVID. And I had a feeling he just wouldn't put two and two together because, you know, he wouldn't necessarily know that I was the singer of this band or whatever. So I just walked up to him like can I get a can I get some fo- can I get a photo and I have like four photos with him that are just me in the most smug aware face and he has no clue <laughs> oh my fucking god and then like the next day I like tweeted the photos at him <laughs> <laughs> so you're an internet troll you are yeah how many hey, how hey. many burner accounts you got like Steven Jenkins fan 1988 <laughs> and stuff you know the only burner account let me see. I actually think I only have one burner account on TikTok, and it's just it's um it's Ariel Pink official. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting a lot of right wing fans on there. <laughs> my, my bio is right winger light singer. Yeah. <laughs> Bro, just by the way, you're killing it on TikTok. Kenny was sending me the videos of you doing the duets with John Mayer, and you're just fucking everything. Marms. I'm Marms. I've been losing it over your your trolls of John Mayer doing the duet stuff, and then yesterday or the day before, you were singing into the mic like through your ring light. Oh my god. <laughs> oh. My I don't god. know. It's, it's. I mean, I actually, I, I actually really enjoy TikTok. It's a lot of fun. There's people who are so funny on it, and. I'm not that funny, but I figured the only way that I could sort of hang was to not take it too seriously. And cause you know, there's like the duet feature where everybody's like, oh, and then you duet this guitar player from, you know, Wisconsin and you're supposed to sing a hard belt. It's like, no, don't sing a hard belt song with him. Like fucking scream while he's playing. <laughs> <laughs> you did one with the drums. You're just like snare, 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 snare. That was so good. Yeah. It's very niche. I don't think many people care, but like my 10 friends that I care. Again, they're like, those were good. I'm like, that's enough for me. <laughs> yeah, that's that's all the adulation you need for something like that. I feel. Like. I will do literally anything to make my friends laugh. Anything in that's the whole it. world. Yeah. Who cares about everything else? It's it's all about it's all about your you know your tight knit circle. If you can make them happy, then you're good. Hundred percent. If you can make your friends' belly laugh, that that's it. Boom. Uh, before we get, I want to go into kind of your journey as a musician and a songwriter, but I have two nerdy things that I want to go for because I found out that you have a mutual love of two artists. Uh, first off, you see him sitting behind me, uh, Bruce Springsteen. I know. A little darkness picture right there. A little darkness. What's your favorite Bruce album? Um, don't be I, wrong. I don't know. I, I'm not, I mean, I'm not a fan of being like, oh, their first record was the best record because by, I mean, he he's made records that is recent as Magic and the last record he put out that I think are so freaking rad and love tunes on. But I think because I discovered it and Board to Run was the the entry point for me, it's it's always going to hold the, the place, you know. Um, which maybe isn't like the deep thing to say. I know I'm supposed to say Nebraska, but I, I think for me, it's it's that's the one that brings me back to the nostalgia and that it's makes. A big song. Yeah, I don't know. That makes sense, man, because so much of every artist, it's like as while, while that artist is important to me, there's a certain record that just spoke to me, right? So, like, that makes sense. The one that I you mean, found Bo- him. Born to Run is in a league of its own. It's a whole different, like, I don't even put that in my list because it's like that one stands by itself. Yeah. I was just, I just wanted to see whether you were going to go off the wall and say, like, Tunnel of Lover, like, fucking Human Touch or something weird like that. Because I asked that to Human some Touch people. Was, Human Touch Tour is my first concert, so I definitely have a soft spot for Human Touch. All right. Um, I was like, 
you know, a baby at Nassau Coliseum in New York. But I don't know. There's I, I love so many of the records for different reasons. I, I love the river. And like when he was doing the, the tour where he was doing the album um, tour dates, he, he did a river night and that was incredible, which is a totally different kind of record from, you know, the sort of different ends of his career and what she's known for. So I, I, I don't know, it's so hard to answer. He truly is one of the very few artists, I'd say maybe him and Elvis Costello, where it's like, I'm in from the beginning and I've been on board since. Hell yeah. The other band I wanted to bring up, uh, Dawes played your wedding? Dude, Dawes is my all-time favorite band. I fucking love Dawes, dude. Same. Favorite, favorite band of all time. Um, so, I yeah, I, I'm like a super fan to the point where I would just buy tickets and drive all over the country to go see them play. And I saw like probably like 30 shows or something. And then my wife was doing some sort of like press thing or something at a hotel in Hollywood like two or three years ago and as she was leaving she saw Mandy Moore like walking out of the lobby and she's like I knew my husband would kill me if I didn't say hi and tell you that my husband's obsessed with your husband (laughs) Um, so because Taylor from Dawes is is married to to Mandy and then we had like a we had like a dinner and I was like equal parts excited and this is the worst thing you've ever done to me because I don't (laughs) want to meet this guy because never meet your never meet your heroes you know what i've met so many of the heroes and i've worked with with so many of them and which is rad in its own league but i'm like this is the one band i get to be a fanboy it's outside of the music industry it has nothing to mm-hmm. do with my job i get to just show, like i've literally bought tickets to their shows and stood in the front like an idiot so now i'm like oh great i'm gonna meet this guy and he's the best and they've become like some of our closest friends um but yeah so behind my back my wife asked him if he would play our wedding without me knowing and after like everybody gave their speeches he came out and, and played two songs and it was like the sickest thing in the world oh my so was, fucking, that's maybe that's the awesome. best thing one of the best things i've ever seen in my entire life Dude, taylor taylor goldsmith man just one of the most underrated like just lyricists and song structure people i fucking love dolls dude i can remember playing an awol in 20. 20- 10 maybe yeah 2010 and we played a festival somewhere like Tulsa and Dawes was playing and that was the first time Aaron and them were like you have to go see this band you have mm-hmm. to go see this fucking band and we all went and watched that was like my first like holy shit I'm on the side of stage watching a great band kind of thing so Dawes holds yeah I love them they're so good so sick and he's I mean they're just the nicest people in the world and his, his brother Griff is the drummer and he's also one of our closest friends and they're just yeah they're, they're great people I'm going up I don't know when this airs but Next week from when we're talking right now, I'm taking a little a little flight to go see, see them play in Northern California. Oh, sick, dude. Can he fly in you? Absolutely. I can. <laughs> he wants to make it to the show, dude. He wants to make it to the show. There's no listen, way. But listen, dude, is there any better way for a celebrity to die than in a fiery fucking plane crash? I mean, like, it goes down in history. Every single, every single celebrity, athlete, musician that's ever died in a plane crash is exponentially more loved than they were before they died. It, it, it's like, like if it's like died in a car accident or anything. It's like when what people it's a plane crash. People talk to me about surfing. They're like, "What if you get eaten by a shark?" I'm like, "If I fucking die by getting eaten by a shark, that's tight. Maybe it was my time to go better than me dying from fucking nothing." You know what I mean? Like yeah, Kenny got exactly. eaten by a shark. Yeah, I I get that. I mean, I much rather. I think I much rather die in a plane with Kenny than in a plane with my wife because then <laughs> we like really famous person dies and her husband. <laughs> and her husband. Kenny, at least I have top billing. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Matthew, they, they would blame me. They'd be like, Kenny Carkey killed Matthew. Coma yes, Matthew Coma, an idiot pilot, died. <laughs> and then, and then they, then they'd air our clip from the Polish TV show. We did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I want my Jenkins back. <laughs> yeah. Mother of God. All right, so let, let's go into kind of your story and 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 why we have you here. So I knew Winnecta Bowling League. I didn't know about your background as an EDM DJ and songwriter and, and featured artist. How the hell did you wind up in the EDM world? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I knew that's what he was going to say, too. Yeah, it's I, I don't know. I I grew up, you know, listening to Springsteen and, and idolizing singer songwriters. And then the really short abridged version is somehow got hooked up with writing with some some DJs, which I was like, I don't know why they'd want to work with me because I like play acoustic guitar and sing. Um, but I did it and, and a couple of the songs started going and, and it was like sort of before I knew what was happening was like, oh, okay, so I'm getting a lot of these opportunities to write with these guys and the song. It's like the genre was starting to become commercial and get played on the radio. So the songs were starting to become known songs, which then sort of just fed the thing of other people wanting to work together from that space. So before I knew it, it was like, cool, I'm that guy. <laughs> um, which couldn't have been more disorienting because I knew nothing about the genre or the culture. And I'm pretty sure most of the people who showed up to those festivals were like the same kids who beat me up in high school. So it was just, it was it was disorienting, but yeah, but, but obviously super grateful for it. Like it was it was a rad, a rad experience and sort of platform to, to build from. You just said you like got picked on in high school and now you're this like ultra famous uh, artist. Have you ever ran into any of those assholes? Or because I've actually had a couple of that myself with my yeah. job a few times. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm definitely not ultra famous. I'm, I'm definitely not famous at all, but I think people in my town probably pay a little bit more attention than somebody from the next town over. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I think I've seen some some people. I definitely wait. I I trolled. I had this one. I had two bullies. <laughs> one, one bully. Uh, we were on tour like two years ago, and I just found his Instagram, and I started going hard. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, "Come on, man, let's let's talk it out. Let's like." I'm like, "No, I'm no, like, I want to be your friend. I just want to give you help because <laughs> you kicked the shit out of me on the back of the bus once, and." Same, same, dude. I had all the people who are like, my best friend Kenny's, you know, playing this show. Go check him out. And you're like, your best? Are you fucking? You've put me in a trash can in the cafeteria <laughs> yeah. my sophomore year. Get the fuck out of here, dude. Yeah. I ran into this kid. So I grew up in. I was telling Kenny and and calling this before you hopped on, but I grew up in a really ritzy area. But myself and my family was very blue collar, and all the rich kids made sure I knew that, and it it drove yeah, me yeah. fucking crazy. And there was this one kid. I'm not gonna say his name. I ran into him at a Chicago White Sox game like three or four years ago. And then it was right before shutdown started and like last. So two Februarys ago, I this girl I grew up with who went to high school, we were both going back to our parents house in our hometown. So she hitched her ride with me. We stopped and got a burger. Guess who was waiting on me at this burger joint in our hometown? And he kissed my ass. It was like, oh, it's so good to see you. And he, he wasn't a bully because I'd fucking rip his face off if I wanted to. <laughs> So he never like got physical with me, but he was always just a fucking asshole. And I'm just like sitting there like, here's your 30% tip, you fuck. You know, so all those it's 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 good to fucking like just, you know, be like, hey, fuck you. Here I am. Here you are. You know, it's weird. It's like I feel like by the time you actually get to the place of um, 
don't know, being where you want to be or whatever. It's like, you don't even, you, you don't really, at least in my experience, I'm not like thinking about those guys often, but when they come up on the radar, I'm not as angry as I am. Just like, I just kind of want to mess with you now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's petty. I love petty. We talk about this like every week. I love petty. I could be catty. In Philadelphia, it's more of like a, we always shit on people for trying. Nobody ever wants you to try anything. It's like, oh, you're going to be a musician? Dude, you, you fucking think you're better than us? Like, whatever. Fuck that guy. And then you, <laughs> and then you do something cool and everybody's like, oh, that's my fucking boy. That's what I'm talking about. Yep, yep. I, I'm not, I don't think I ever dealt with like a boy situation, but I know in the back of my mind, I heard what you said. I heard what the fuck you said, pussy. Yeah. It just wasn't cool. I mean, at least where I grew up, it wasn't like band culture was cool in Long Island, but in the town I was in, it wasn't like, it wasn't cool. It's like, if you don't play sports, you're a loser. And I'm like, I fucking suck at sports. <laughs> well, it fucking worked out for you, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> this is not a problem, but... Someday, I, mean, I don't know. I probably should have learned how to play fucking basketball or something. <laughs> You'd have been a great no, golfer. That, yeah, don't, don't, yeah. don't be the best at exercise, and that's what I say. Um, I do want to <laughs> kick up golf only to become friends with Jason Bateman. Cause I hear he golfs a lot and I really want to be his friend. Is that the, is that the celebrity that like your next Steven Jenkins is going to be <laughs> Jason Bateman? He's not, uh, well, I, I won't troll. Like I would never want to hurt his feelings. I just, I want to be his friend. So I got to find a way to get to him. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'll publicly pursue him for sure. But not, <laughs> not with the humor that, that I did. With I'm going to pursue a friendship. <laughs> what is yeah, it? I feel like it's possible. I found oh, that kind of close to me so i'm like there's got to be a way i like walk my dog a lot <laughs> just looking for him yeah oh, hey, hey jason this is my dog bateman it's nice to meet you <laughs> <laughs> so we're going back it's into the career. Ozark. i'd like you to meet him <laughs> we're going back into your career now and so you're taking off like clarity was obviously a huge hit you work with lesso and hardwell and all those people like and then you kind of like worked yourself out of it was that like a conscious decision to be like i just don't want to do the edm thing anymore yeah completely it was sort of just i mean while it was happening even it was like okay this isn't uh, it's not forever not because i felt like oh the genre's gonna burn out or something like there's always gonna be a fan base for that but it's just it wasn't what i was into so i, I wasn't looking to like make that my mission statement for life and, and be like yeah that's what i'm gonna do for, for the next 30 years is is do this it just wasn't for me and there's people who love that genre and love doing that thing and that is what they want to do and that's awesome but it just wasn't that wasn't me so it was very conscious, like, cool, this is the thing right now that happened to, to sort of work and the door opened. So I'm going to certainly walk through it and, and, you know, make the most of it and, and get the most out of it. But, but yeah, there was, there was definitely an end date in sight in terms of like, okay, cool. We press stop now. And, and then from that point, I was sort of like, I just want to start from zero again with, with the band and even on the songwriting front and just sort of everything that I've kind of become known for within that circle just do a bit of a in, a in a bow face and i don't know there's something fun about that challenge of like cool we oh yeah definitely mountain. let's like climb that one over there now and we climbed that mountain we certainly didn't know anything about that world or, or the rules and it worked so let's let's do it on our terms over here now and, and take the time to build it so i want to ask you something kind of serious about about that um did you take it seriously to the point where you were doing filtering during the show and like yeah, hitting right. sirens and like, would, would you like <laughs> mute the music for a second for the crowd response and then turn it back up? Were you doing that? I'll, I'll say this. I took it seriously enough to do, um, to do filtering and to play my sets live, but I didn't take it seriously enough that 
when my computer, which I wouldn't charge and wouldn't clean off the hard drive, would just stop in the middle of the show in front of like 50,000 people, <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't care. Like, right. <laughs> there was no sense of embarrassment. Whereas if I was playing with my band and I care about it and like something goes wrong, it's like, yeah, there'd probably be a moment of like, oh shit, this is like, this is a, a um, what's the word I'm looking for? This is some sort of perception of, of me, of myself. Yeah. Whereas I didn't feel any identity in it. So it was like, oh, this is. <laughs> <laughs> that's, like, what, that's what I want to ask you about. So I got this, this girlfriend, not girlfriend. Um, and when Kenny said that we were going to be interviewing you, I immediately hit her up. I, I fucked up personally and thought we were interviewing last week. So I had everything already written out for last week that I wanted to ask you. And when I texted her, I'm like, Hey, we're interviewing Matthew Coma. Like, what do you know about him? Like, what can I ask him? She said like, Oh my God, in all caps, Holy shit. He's one of my all time favorites. He hasn't come out with an album since 2018. And so you is that door completely shut? Are you, are you just focusing on you and your band now and, and like actual, like, you know, acoustic, um, going back to your roots, basically. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like the name became, you know, so synonymous with dance music that even in the efforts to pivot it, it was just sort of like, well, so far as trying to take the currency from the success or the momentum there and turn into this other thing wasn't really possible or working so I was like I just want to start fresh and when I write and, and produce it's still of course under my name but I feel like that story gets to be told a little bit more nuanced and mm -hmm. over time whereas like as, as far as the artist pursuit it's just too confusing for people to be like oh we heard him on this dance song but now there's this rock record out or like it just doesn't make sense so it just made more sense to yeah to sort of start from scratch so right I don't really put stuff out under my name because I'm not really looking to serve that fan like the fan base that cares about that music too different right pretty I'm sure there's some overlap but not really you know there's something so interesting about making it big in a situation where your heart's not like that wasn't exactly what your heart had set like you got the success that you might have wanted but it wasn't exactly in the spot that you wanted it to be and i guess that's got to kind of keep it fresh when you're going in and connect the bowling league like you still have a chip on your shoulder like i got something to prove yeah, I, I feel like, I mean, I, I have the the curse or gift, whatever it is, of, of constantly feeling like whatever I did two months ago, I'm embarrassed by and I need to apologize for it in the form of doing something better and different. So I feel like that always keeps me pushing to the next thing, regardless of even how successful something is. It's like, well, I'm embarrassed by that and I didn't mean it. What I mean is this. What I care about is this thing now. So as dumb as it sounds and as much as it might not be at all the perception of, of, you know, anybody else outside my head, I just constantly feel like, no, this is the best stuff I'm doing. And this is fresh. And this is the difference maker. And I kind of just like, I want to feel that excited about each thing. Mm. I don't know if that answers the question. I might've just gone off. No, for sure. Oh, that was a fucking great answer. And I, I think, uh, go ahead, Kenny. I was say, as we transition into from Matthew Coma into Winneka bowling league, I'm fortunate enough to know you and know where that name came from. I'm not sure that everybody does, but there's <laughs> I was actually ask that. well, so I, I'll, I'll, I'll let him let him tell it basically because I'm sure you've gotten the question of like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> when well, yeah. is a town over from where I grew up, so I'm like well, in in Illinois, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's it's not that Winneka, but I was um, I had broken up uh, me and my now wife, who was then my girlfriend. We were on a break and. I was kind of just in a weird transitional place in life. I just decided I didn't want to do the electronic stuff anymore. And 
it was kind of like, I don't know what's next. I know I'm going to start this band, but I don't know what that means. I don't know what it sounds like. I don't know what it's called. I just know I'm, I'm doing it. And I've, I stopped the other thing so I can no longer have a foot in it for safety. It was like, nope, that's over. And now you got to figure it out. And my buddy, um, Chris, who forever is bold with his dad and his brother on a bowling team was like, you should join our, our bowling team in, in Winneka. And I'm like, I don't know how to bowl. He's like, it's fine. He's like, you get a handicap if you're really bad. So it'll actually help the team. I'm like, okay, sick. So I got a bowl, got shoes and joined Winneka Bowling League. And then, I don't know, maybe like a year later, um, nine months later, I was working on this tune that felt like, oh, wow, this is the the code cracker. Like this is the direction for, for the band. This is the thing I've sort of been looking for. And I was going to bowling that night. So I did a bounce to, to listen to like a demo of it in the car. And I just named it Winneka Bowling League. That's where I was going. I was like, yeah, why not? That works. Wow. Easy as I've that. Heard, I've heard so many radio DJs fully fuck that name up <laughs> a thousand times. It's so Winneka funny every time. Wakanda, but yeah. yeah. We have Wakanda Bowling League. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I remember at, after we came up with the name too, people, some people were like, you sure you still want to call it the, the Bowling League? I'm like, no. No. Isn't there already bowling league? What's that? Oh, it's bowling for soup, bro. Or bowling, <laughs> that's, for that's what I was thinking of. Oh, bowling for soup. Yeah. <laughs> you guys should do a fucking tour together and just the bowling tour. You got Winneka when, bowling. bowling for soup. You know, Marms, <laughs> Marms has, I guess I should call him Nat for the people listening. Well, Nat yeah, what has, is, start, start with that real quick. What is Marms? Oh, it's a long uh, okay. story. Marms is, kind of, well, it's kind of a long story, but it can be told quickly. My, I'm Jewish and my grandmother, Mamala, is a term of endearment that, that Jewish um, elders call their young youngers sometimes so she'd always call me mamala and I told one of my friends that one time that like oh yeah she calls me mamala and he thought it was marmala so <laughs> he kept calling me marmala and then that turned into marms for short and Matt was introduced I was introduced to Matt as marms like before I, I even knew his name was Matt so when somebody introduced that's like unfortunately that's what you are forever yeah that, yeah that, and, it had, yeah. and it had a dog named Arms too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it runs thick, dude. Uh, I, I think one thing I want to get into because this is something me and Kenny are both songwriters, and I have such a respect for the songs that you write. Now, and even digging deeper into your credits and everything like that, I just have nerdy songwriting questions for you because one of the parts of this podcast is we're teaching Dave different elements of the music industry. Dave's not a musician; me and Kenny are, and you would be the perfect person to kind of give tips on songwriting. And one of my questions right off the top is, are you a volume songwriter or are you streaky? Like, how do you write? Like, are you more of like a, I get a ton out at one time or you can kind of day by day keep writing? I don't think I've ever taken any sort of significant period off from writing. I think I'm always just doing it. And maybe that's out of habit. Maybe that's, it's probably out of fear of just like, well, if I stop, then somebody else is getting ahead. Cause I definitely feel like there is a competitive nature to it, even though it's totally, um, something that you know starts from a place of I love doing this and I want to do this it, it, it becomes a bit of a marriage at least in my experience it has um, so I, yeah I feel like it's every day and the, the things that raise their hands raise their hands the, the thing that's cool about having the band is I I feel really fulfilled and like that process gets to be a lot more um, precious and longer and i'll sit for you know three months and be like cool i'm making any people the band now so i'm just gonna walk around until an idea comes and go to the grocery store and like that's all part of it whereas when i'm writing for other artists or writing with other writers it's more of a regimented like cool five days a week and you know produce out this track or whatever um so i think i enjoy both of those headsets i guess is what i'm saying that i, I do like being precious and taking time with it when it's for me 
and I like also the the sort of hustle of just like, yeah, let's just do ideas and the best ones will raise their hands. Here's a question for me to all three of you guys. So you, you said like in your experience that you're, you could be like, you know, going to get eggs and milk from the grocery store and, and you're thinking of, of what the next lyric in this specific song, how often are those wheels spinning for you guys? Is it like just constant, constant, constant? Hmm. For me, man, I'd say two or three times a day, a word, I'll either see a word or a phrase or something that'd be like, that's interesting. And I'll write it down on my phone. I have a whole list in my phone. I'll be listening to Spotify and be like, that kick pattern is fucking sick. I'll screenshot it. Like I just, you, when I find it, I try to keep it. And then when I'm going into the studio to write, I start digging through what I've got. I was like, oh yeah, that was cool. Oh yeah, that was cool. Wait, what was that? Let me pull that up, listen to it kind of thing. That's how I roll. I'm much more like I'm a one snapshot kind of a guy. I try and get everything out at one time. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's when I'm driving. Driving is always my space where I kind of like turn the radio down and that's where I, I write and think my best. But I mean, the wheels are always, it's not something you can turn off and turn off. I don't think like if you get an idea, you have to write it down, but it's, it's rare that I'll start a song and then be thinking constantly about what the next thing is. It kind of all happens in a snap for me. And I'm, I don't know how that is for you. It's, I feel like the, the ideas that carry the most weight, it's usually when I'm jerking off. I just like. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. Cause you're focused. Yeah, I'm focused. I'm not judging myself. So just like right. pops up and I'm just- You're not oh, competing. God, what am I doing right no, now? Post not clarity. Post not clarity is exact, is very important. Yeah, it's like, uh, I feel like they're just delivered and it's my job to just filter and because I'm focused on something else so diligently. Um, yeah, yeah. It's like when you get the poison out, your brain is clear. Right, exactly. And, and, sometimes and that is poison. Out. Yeah, so you get, the, you get the poison out while- while the other stuff's kind of coming through and it's it's like a filter it's like a pool filter exactly dave, dave i write all my best songs while i'm committing arson like it's it's kind of in, the, in yeah. the same capacity you know what i mean like you have to be doing something illegal or sexually gratifying to to really write a good song he said it's like a pool filter <laughs> <laughs> see i'm glad because she was getting heavy there for a minute and i was trying to be like oh man like let's see if we can pull some real gems of songwriting knowledge out of here. And the word jerking off came out, and I was like, "All right, yeah. we're back into it, boys. We're back into it." <laughs> well, honestly, uh, honestly, Marmsy, what, uh, as much as you're a successful artist and all that stuff, and we have a lot of good artists on this show to explain how they got to where they were, trials and tribulations, all that shit. We haven't talked to a lot of songwriter producer people because this whole podcast is about coming up in music, and that's a whole nother side of it. We're like the Grammy. What was it? The Grammys announced yesterday that the the Academy is now going to allow anybody who is attached to the song to receive the Grammy, as opposed to you have to have 33% of the writing credits on it, stuff like that. So it's just, I wanted to kind of get some of your insight on that side of the world, as opposed to the artist world. You know? I don't know. I can't speak for anybody or what, you know, what they need to feel acknowledged or whatever, you know? Um, and obviously that's a great thing. Like people are working hard on these records and deserve the credit that's due. I care about impressing my fucking four friends who think, you know, like I care Same. about sending a Taylor Goldsmith a song and him being like, that's a great lyric. Like that's the, mm. the thing that makes me want to keep reaching and being better. And the other stuff that's so unpredictable and symptomatic that I, I don't know. I just don't percent overly focused on that or, you know, I'm, I'm happy to get behind the right causes that, that of course support people who that puts food on the table, which is a very valid and huge reason that, that, people do take on those issues because it's what they do for a living. Um, and it's what I do for a living. But I, I, I feel like at least at this point in my career, I'm just much more interested in like, I don't know, just doing stuff that, that 
makes me enjoy it. it. This sounds insane, but I feel like I'm finally getting to a point where at least four out of the five days I show up to the studio, I'm actually genuinely excited about the people I'm working with or the thing I'm working on. And that sounds nuts, but really for so many years, it's like so many first dates or mm. just sort of figuring out what it is that you like and being okay with saying, this is how I like to do it. This is what my process is. And these are the kinds of collaborators I like, and these are the kinds of artists I like. And like that sweet spot's really nice to, to sort of be in. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And we've talked about it before about how producers and songwriters, a lot of times it's tough because you meet an artist for the first time. It's the first time you've ever met them. Let me sit down, let me find out who you are. Let me tell you who yeah. I am. Let me tell you what you like, what I like. What are we going to work on today? What do we want to start? Like, there's a whole psychological relationship that happens in a lot of these songwriting things. So it's just, so it's great when you're able to remove that and find something of your own that eliminates all that competition and all that stress and just lets you create. Yeah, I mean, when you're working with an artist that really has an identity and, and brings that to the table, it also makes your job of channeling that so much easier. Matt, who's the artist that you would say you had the least amount of time with that first date kind of a circumstance? Like the artist that you got in the studio with to write with and it just clicked instantaneously? I don't know. That's a really hard question because I, I feel like... You've collabed with a ton of fucking really, really popular artists too. Yeah, Is there any... Anything that stands out. I don't know. I feel like I blocked everything out of my head. I don't know. It was <laughs> That's the way to do it. You had to dump it all out to move forward. It was all so traumatic. <laughs> some of them were really, really, really cool. And some of them were just awful. Not. Just like, I don't want to ever think about it again. <laughs> <laughs> just like people who got shuffled in by different labels being like, work with him. He has hits. It's kind of that kind of a thing. But... Like, like, do you enjoy the process of writing with new artists at this point in your life? More than anything, actually, because I feel mm -hmm. like those are the people who are coming with the most unjaded and fresh ideas. Like, uh, you know, a big part of what at least is cool from my perspective with, with songwriters is, you know, you have an 18-year-old artist walking and, and they're having this idea that maybe you've heard 30 times before, but you're like, wait, you're experiencing that right now. And the people who are your listeners haven't felt heartbreak in that way before. And this is the first time they're going to relate to that emotion to a song. And you have an opportunity to say that in your unique way. And like, like seeing that snapshot of it, where it's somebody who's actually in that and experiencing that to me is so much cooler than, you know, people have been doing it for 15, 20 years, trying to, um, I don't want to say fake that emotion, but channel that thing. So working with new artists is my favorite because I feel like, they're the ones who are coming with, they haven't learned the rules yet enough to, to know how to apply them. So they know how to just break them enough in, in a cool way where you're like, yeah, I never would have came up with that. And that's such a rad starting point. Is there anybody that you've worked with recently that's, you know, 17, 18, 19, you know, fresh little puppy that we would have no idea if you want to kind of give a shout out to? There's this girl whose music I just heard. I, I think she goes by Karuk and her stuff's not out yet, but it was the first thing I heard in a while where I'm like, this is rad. It's just That's really exciting. And different. And she sort of, it's sort of like Tierra Whack meets Phoebe Bridgers or something. Like, Ooh. really. What? Thing. It's super cool. Um, so I heard her. Okay. There's this guy named Petey. Has anybody heard Petey yet? No. Okay. So I discovered his vibe on TikTok because he does these videos that are hilarious where oh. he basically he plays all the characters. So it'll be like five versions of him. And it's such strange humor, but it's so funny. Um, and then maybe after like a month watching his videos, I was like, oh, he makes music too. And I clicked on the link 
and he has this song called Don't Tell the Boys that blew me away. I was like, this is so rad. It's so nostalgic, but there's something different to it that feels like it's really rooted in like early indie rock. And mm. I, I don't, I can't totally place it, but that's one of the few things I've heard recently where I'm like, that sounds so incredibly inspired and I want to be in that world. Bro, that's that awesome. is that is such a new thing now that is so cool to me is that people are finding different ways to showcase their personality to introduce you to their music. And I think that's like so important with the internet. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because it's rad because it's an entry point, but it's also like, how do you translate one thing to the other? You know, like I'm watching his, his videos have a, a ton of views on them, like in the millions. And then his music's not getting that kind of attention yet. I'm sure it will because it's really good, but it's just interesting to be like, and I don't know him well enough to know like, okay, was music the first intention or maybe it was acting and, and comedy? Yeah, yeah. You know, like I, I don't know. So it might be working according to plan exactly. But it, yeah, it's interesting to see stuff like that where I'm, you know, discovering artists one way and then realizing, oh, you actually make music and it's great. You know? I mean, they're still trying to figure out what streaming means for people, mm -hmm. let alone what content creation means for an artist profile, right? Like I hope, you know, hopefully in the future it'll balance itself out, but it's also new, which is kind of inspiring. It's like you're saying, it's interesting to see these guys use different platforms in different ways to kind of promote, but also what does that translate to the music streams? But then there's also the, the dark side of that shit where you have like the super famous like TikTok dance kids who don't have an ounce of musical fucking talent but they see it as another revenue stream so they're like all right we can just fucking tune their vocals and put them over a pop beat and it's like okay now you're one of the biggest artists in the world yeah. there's a weird dark side to that shit too see, i don't like that shit even that doesn't bother me because that's a tale as old as time like there's there's always been a lane for that and there's always been an audience for that so whether it's tiktok or instagram or myspace or radio or mtv that's feeding that or giving that that life that that's always been the case so it actually doesn't even that part of it doesn't turn me off because i'm like well that will exist regardless of what the platform is or what the the lane to that is you know that's a yeah i can't i can't tell you how many fake bands there are that are built just for sync just to get music on tv and radio there's like hundreds of thousands of them they're they don't even exist they're just two songwriters who formed a fake band so they can get something placed. Like, it's just always the way it is. People will use the paths they have to monetize. But that doesn't piss you guys off is like people who are fucking actually spending every ounce of their finances, emotions, like intellectual. No, because I stopped getting pissed off altogether. Cause what the fuck is that? Does that do besides make me pissed off? You know what I mean? I it's I like, at say, some point you just have to remove your shit from all that. There might be a difference between these two dudes and me, because they both seen wild success and I'm still grinding my ass off. So like, I still kind of like look at it with this semi thing where I'm like, motherfucker. Yeah. Ma Matthew said something important there that I thought about recently was that this is not new. This isn't some like new twisted game. Like this shit's been going on since the fifties and sixties. It's just, uh, it's just packaged differently. Exactly. It's exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah, and, and honestly, like you're, you're a good example because I feel like the wild west that we're in right now gives way more of a chance for you to have something happen than 10 years ago, 15 years ago, when it was this very controlled model, like 100%. anything can happen now. You know, we, we've seen friends, bands that, like there's this band we toured with that, um, they're called Mother Mother and they're like a big Canadian band. And we, we did like our very first tour with them, whatever, they were nice enough to take us out. And they had a song from like their first record 10 years ago, take off on, on TikTok. And the song got like 60 million or 70 million streams or something just because it became a TikTok thing. And 
that there was no way or place for that to happen previous to this. So for sure, for sure. Even stuff like that where I don't know, older songs can take off. Or you that can- fucking that dude with the cranberry juice on the skateboard made go. landslide like the number one song again, and the song's 40 years old. Yeah. I mean, too, I brought it up recently when we were just talking off air, but like you look at the way the comedians now have have taken over the podcasting world where they use that as a way to introduce themselves to different audiences. And then they sell out fucking tours around the country because people know them from the podcast and then they like their stand up comedy. Yeah, I, I think I think like most industries, you're adapting and figuring out a way to utilize it as, as best to forward whatever your your intention is. But I don't know. I, I feel like it, it benefits most people in your position where maybe you don't have the access or maybe you've been doing it a long time and haven't had the moment yet. But now there can be a moment that's not attached to, well, I need a record deal. Or, well, I need this. It's like, well, it could also just kind of happen. You know, it used to be such a small pipeline. Oh, yeah. And now it's kind of expanded. I have no fear about the pipeline that I, I enjoy this process more of trying different things and meeting different people and going a different avenue as opposed to trying to fight my way into a fucking record label in New York and try and prove myself to those people. I'd rather do it this way. This is fun to me. Yeah. Well, so. it, leaves the, it leaves the opportunity for anything, which yep. I mean, I think is cool. And yeah, I don't know. I think it's cool. Yeah. Uh, so with Winnecta Bowling League, do you guys have anything set up as far as tours? Are you guys looking for that? Or are you kind of just playing it out as the as the pandemic comes to a close? Uh, uh, yeah, we'll probably tour either the end of this year or top of next year. Um, we did an EP during quarantine, I guess. We, we finished it maybe about a month or two ago, and we just put our first song out from it. So we're going to be rolling songs out from that through the fall. So, yeah, I, I can't wait to play shows again. And I feel like a lot of the tours that are going back out now are the ones that were on the books that mm-hmm. – um, you know, got canceled and, and whatnot. So we might be a second behind that, but um, I'm looking forward to it. It's so weird to see every fucking act trying to announce a tour at the exact same time. Yeah, literally. Oh my fucking God. I don't understand Everybody why people- mother. Dude, September and October and November, it's like every artist on earth is just overlapping over top of each other. It's going to be wild to see. It's going to be a good time. It's crazy. I, yeah, I'm, I'm really curious. I feel like people are going to be hungrier than ever for it, so- that, that we talked about that too to where it's like people are going to like actually be excited to go out to shows as opposed to like I felt like it was dying off a bit to where people it was so regular now it's like holy shit it's fucking back it's like when I watched the Sixers game last night and the fucking stands are packed and I was like I gotta get to a game dude that's exactly how I feel yeah I mean it's that that dumb moment of the lights coming down and the band walking out is gonna like it's gonna mean something different to a lot of people the first time they're seeing that again absolutely what band would you be most excited to see right now? Uh, Dawes. It's the only band I care about. <laughs> <laughs> He's flying to makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Have you ever heard the Dawes or the, I asked Kenny about this, the new Basement Tapes record with Elvis Costello? Dude. So great. Those tunes are awesome. Oh my fucking God. Kenny, did you listen to it? No, bro. You fucked up because it's really good. And there's a great documentary on Showtime that accompanies to it. And if you want to watch songwriters going through it, watch Marcus Mumford sit on top of the fucking Capitol building, chain smoking cigarettes because he can't write a song as good as Elvis Costello. It's an unbelievable documentary. Yeah. Dave always has one question that he likes to ask people. Dave, what do you want to ask him? So this is going to be wildly different for you, I feel like, because we've interviewed a lot of people who... um like it, it, different levels of fame, I should say. But considering who your wife is, who's the most famous person in your phone book right now? Most famous person in my. Let, can, may I add something into this? Because 
We used to be on yes, a text thread. We oh, yeah. well, <laughs> technically we're still on a text thread because they don't ever go away. But there was like five or so of people on this text thread, and Marms used to <laughs> used to add in random celebrities into our threads, to which they would normally just like leave right away. But every once in a while, some weirdness would happen. Like <laughs> Matt Sorum, the drummer. I think he added Gaga one time. And here's what? the best one. He Bono. added he he added Bono to our thread, and then Bono. <laughs> kicked me out of the thread he never <laughs> he never said anything he just kicked me out of the thread i was like why did bono kick me out of the thread he picked your fucking name out of nowhere i think we we mentioned on the podcast somebody was mentioning Haley joel osmond the other day on the podcast and Mar- Mar- i think the only person who has ever said anything was Haley joel osmond and all he said was what the fuck coma and then left the conversation <laughs> You have to be ready to burn the bridge when, when you have it. <laughs> you, you mean like when I gave you Billy Corgan's phone number and you sent him a video of you saying, the world is a vampire. <laughs> you start texting him. Yeah. I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, you, you, gotta, you gotta know when to burn these bridges, man. All right, so there's a couple good examples. Give me one oh. other... Yeah, I mean, dude. you just, I mean, Lady Gaga, she, I don't know how many people have won both a, a best actress or best actor and multiple Grammys. Has that ever happened outside of her? There's people who do the EGOT, the Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony. So I don't know if she's got the EGOT yet. The I mean, the, Lady you Gaga. Heard of the EGOT? Like, Me? No, the EGOT. That's from uh, 30 Rock. Tracy Morgan's trying to win the EGOT. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, those are some pretty good ones. I'm not going to lie. Like, I mean, Bono is fucking Bono. I mean, to be fair, I've never even met Bono. I just somehow ended up. <laughs> <laughs> you signed up for one of those services that gives you everybody's <laughs> fucking agent and shit. Like, this goes back to what Kenny was saying. You do anything to make your friends laugh. So, <laughs> even literally if anything. I'll jump, in, I'll jump in front of a fucking car if it makes my friends laugh. Yeah, the, the vibe would always be you add the person into the chat which for everybody would just come up as a phone number. And then you text everybody on the side, a screenshot of the contact in your phone. So they'd see who it is. So it'd be like, you know, 310, whatever is added to the chat. And everybody like, who's this? And then Kenny would get a text and just is like, Bono. <laughs> <laughs> and then everybody's like, what's up, Bono? <laughs> hello, hello. <laughs> Did you get like a side text being like, yo, what the fuck, dude? Like you ever get one of those from one of those guys? I don't know if I've gotten any like, Hate text. <laughs> that was a good time though that was a good daily experience I, I that would be that would make my day every single day i'd be looking forward to that i did see how far you could take it there i mean there were we definitely took it too I, i've gotten bored. for sure too we definitely oh, took yeah, it yeah. too far for yeah, sure. until the one that he fucking screenshot it and sent it to the side and said who is this and he just texted back <laughs> obama and then it's like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh that'd be so sick i feel like he'd be down I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. He yeah. would stay on the thread for a couple of days. He'd be down the cloud. I, I, I don't. Hey, I, I get added to random group chats all the fucking time. Here's a funny story. I, uh, this is like three years ago. So this is when I, I still had an actual real job, like a nine to five job. I dealt with a lot of businesses in Indiana. So Indiana, Indianapolis area code is two one nine. So I'm walking to a bar one night. I remember was, I was freezing my tits off. It was cold as shit. <laughs> And I get a FaceTime and my hands like shivering. I look at it. It's a 219 number. It's at like eight o'clock on a Friday night. I'm like, fuck, it's a work number. I got to take this. And it's just some random kid. Oh, hey, what's up? Barstool, man. Like, and I'm like, how the fuck did you get my phone number? I don't do Facebook anymore. And apparently I put my phone because I've had the same phone number since high school. And um, 
so I'm like, yeah, I gave him like, I gave him the time of day and everything. And I fast forward to last October, I was at his wedding. I like oh. became very good friends with the kid. Wow. He, yeah. He just like, we would, he would text me, but he wasn't like, he wouldn't ever overdo it. You're not invasive. And, yeah. yeah. And now he's like a very close friend of mine. I had some crazy fans go deep on my Insta, like down to like 2009, where like I posted something that had my phone number in it. And then like fucking for weeks, it was just ring, ring, ring until you changed the number. I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, it gets kind of crazy. I'm, like I'm surprised karma hasn't got me. <laughs> me too, Marms, me too. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how that hasn't, like, yeah. It's It'll because you're such a sweet boy that it gives you some sort of layer of protection around you. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> is there some sense, like, do you enjoy being the second most famous person in your house? Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. I, I don't even think I'm second, though. I think probably, like, my <laughs> I have more notoriety at this point than I do. Which is, yeah, it's great. I don't, I don't have to think about Do you it. have to watch what you say more? <laughs> Ooh, that's a good question. Oh, that that's the raddest thing is I definitely found a person who gets me and allows me to be me, maybe to like an unhealthy degree sometimes. She'll, I'll get like, I think three times a year she gets to censor me. Mm. And- Like coupons? Only, yeah, it is. She'll, she'll be like, you can't do that. And it'll be like, and it'll always be, she'll always be a hundred percent right. And I'm like, I'm just lucky the other times I got it through the goalie. So yeah. Like yeah, yeah, she, she actually helps you. She actually helps you. I, of course, you would marry somebody that would have that would understand who you are. But yeah. that's something I've even wondered on a friendship level. Like, <laughs> did you do you have to change? She'll take things um, into consideration that I wouldn't. Like, oh, this would be a really good troll, and she'd be like, yeah, totally. Except we go to school with their kids, and right, oh. right, right, right. So she's the adult, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she just has an she's extra kid. She has an extra kid that she happens to be married to. That's basically the way it is. Yeah, pretty pretty much. She uh, she, gets, she gets me get away with a lot. There, there is that situation though. If I learned anything from being married, it's that like shit, shit like that. Wives are generally right. They're gonna they're gonna point you in the right direction, whether you're taking things a little too far or not. Yeah, I mean, I'm always erring on that side where I, I think it's the funniest shit in the world, and she's like, okay, so. Yeah, it's it's good to have that filter. It's yeah, it's good. Dude, this is this has been amazing, Matt. We can't thank you enough for coming on, dude. Uh, is there a new Winnetka Bowling League single coming out? Anything you want to promote, or are we just fucking hanging out? Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's there's songs out, but you know, <laughs> fucking find them. That's a fucking G answer right there. That is a G answer right there. God damn, Matt, this has been amazing, man. We can't thank you enough for coming on. If you want to, you know, kiss Kenny on the way out, and you guys can have your little moment. Let's let's do that. Love you, Marms. That was adorable. Thanks for having me, guys. This was a lot of fun. This is me demotivated 
Motivated, motivated. Now the night.